0: Hi, and welcome to the natural birth podcast, the podcast that is bringing embodied birth wisdom from women from all over the world, sharing their natural birth stories. Don't forget to subscribe and download so that you can always have access to these empowering and positive natural birth stories. Hi, my name is Anna, also known as the spiritual midwife, and I am the natural birth podcast host. I'm a midwife and a childbirth educator, and I work with women worldwide, assisting them in having an empowering and natural birth experience, and to truly claim their birth as a rite of passage. I offer online one-on-one sessions, packages and online courses for the conscious mamas who don't want to leave their birth up to chance. If you want to know more about me and what I do in the world, then please visit me at thenaturalbirthcourse.com or connect with me on Instagram as midwife. Now, if you love this podcast, then please consider taking a moment right now and leave a review. They mean the world to me and is also your way of helping me reach more women around the world with these natural and empowering birth stories. Together, we are changing the birth narrative one birth story at a time. Today on the Natural Birth Podcast, we have Brittany. Brittany is a mama of one from Salt Lake City, Utah. She spent most of her life afraid of birth and swore she would never do it. But after years of doing her own personal healing work, she felt called to motherhood. When she found out she was pregnant, she dove headfirst into the world of pregnancy, labor and birth and she dedicated herself to preparing physically, emotionally, and spiritually to bring her baby outside. She chose to have a home birth with a midwife from her local birth center and had an incredible support team who really believed in her and trusted the process. But like most first-time mamas and birthing women in general, She struggled to believe and trust in herself from time to time throughout the labor process. The physical sensations were challenging, but the emotional and mental aspect was even harder for Brittany. She went back and forth between trust and doubt the entire 24 hours of her labor. In the end, she felt the incredible power of her ability to birth her baby and birthed her... In her living room, through her own empowering birth experience, she is now passionate about birth as a rite of passage, and has just joined the first cohort of the Spiritual Midwife Mentorship Program, beginning in May. It's such an honor to be her spiritual midwife mentor as she embarks on the magical journey of becoming a sacred space holder for birth herself. Curious about Brittany? Find her on Instagram as Brittany Beckstrand. If you're interested in becoming a sacred space holder for birth, then find the link to the membership in the show notes. Right now, you can access the early bird prize, which will end on the last day of March. Hi, Brittany, and welcome to the Natural Births Podcast. How are you today? I'm so good, Anna. Thank
1: you so much for having me. I love your podcast, and I appreciate you
0: creating this space for me to be able to share my story. Well, you're so welcome. I can't wait to hear your story. So let's dive on in. Tell us about falling pregnant, or maybe you want to take us through even before that. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, yeah, so I think I'll
1: preface my story just by saying that, um, prior to conceiving my partner, Nate and I, um, did a lot of work on ourselves, which I think is so important. And it, it was really, really helpful. So we, um, we lived in Oregon. We're in Utah, but um, is where our home is. But we lived in Oregon for the six months prior to conceiving. So we lived in the forest, and we were super connected with nature. Um, we were working with different plant medicines and um, doing therapy and like personal therapy and really nurturing our relationship. And we knew we wanted to have babies eventually, but we we weren't sure when. And so part of the intention of doing that was to prepare ourselves to be parents. You know, we all have lots of shit. (laughs) And so if you can work through some of that prior, I think that's really helpful. And it definitely benefited us. Mm -hmm. So while we were out there, we lived with some friends, we did communal living, and one of them was an Ayurvedic practitioner, and we really learned how to cook well and eat well. And so it was a really good time of preparation, um, not just for our relationship and for ourselves individually, but for my body to it was like a great foundation to set for pregnancy um beautiful and I had just felt called to move home uh and then about the week we moved home two days before we moved home I found out I was pregnant so yeah so it was everything kind of flowed really nicely um Mm. yeah and then once I became pregnant once I found out I was pregnant I just thought, oh, I'll just continue doing what I've been doing. I'll just eat this way, lots of bone broth, root vegetables, like, you know, all these things. And I was so sick in my first trimester. So that was really, really hard. Um, I, I feel like I actually went into a really dark place for a minute because of it, because I've always had a pretty good relationship with food. And then it just it threw me off because I couldn't eat anything that I wanted to eat. I just felt super sick. Um, there was one night I threw up like 13 times and that night I was, I was like, I would, I want to die. Like, that's how I felt. It was so mm-hmm. hard, but it did go away. Thank God, because, you know, I know that that's not the case for everybody. Sometimes mm-hmm. people are sick throughout their whole pregnancy. So second trimester and third trimester was great. I felt amazing. Um, But yeah, I think, um, going into this birth, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And, you know, here where I live, it's very, um, it's the norm to go to the hospital. It's just what you do. Yeah. Uh, so we had started talking about what we wanted to do and a home or a hospital, not hospital, a birth center birth was brought up. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, let's just go tour a couple and see, see how we feel, see what it's like. Um, so, and my friend, my really good friend was pregnant at the same time as me. So she was three weeks behind me and she was like, I want a home birth. And I was like, that's crazy. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. But then it kind of opened my mind a little bit to maybe exploring it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we did. So we toured a couple birth centers and the, The first birth center we toured was beautiful. It was like this amazing facility with this beautiful art on the wall, like nestled up right against the mountains with a beautiful view outside. And I was like, oh, this is so perfect. This would be a beautiful place to birth. And while we were doing the tour, the person leading the tour said, oh, we just had a butter birth. And I was like, oh, what's a butter birth? I want one of those. That that sounds that sounds nice. <laughs>
0: butter, like butter on your toast, butter. Yes, yeah, what? like butter on your toast. <laughs> what is this birth? I've never heard of a butter birth. I hadn't either. And I was like, that sounds
1: lovely. I'll take one of those. Um, and she said, when I asked her what it meant, she said, um, it's where everything goes smooth and there's no complications and it's oh. just like perfect birth. And you know I'm a new mom, so I was just already intimidated. Um, and she goes, "Well, don't expect that though, because you're it's your first time, and that usually doesn't happen for first time moms." Oh God,
0: what I know! What a stupid thing to say to a pregnant woman. <laughs> exactly. And
1: I was like, "Wow, okay, we won't be birthing here." Like, I'm already doubting myself. Just to be clear, I'm already afraid, and I need to be in a space where people believe in me because I'm not sure that I believe in myself right now, Mm -hmm. you know? And I'm really glad I listened to my intuition. There was a moment where I was like, oh, but it's so beautiful. And da, 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 da. But we toured the second birth center and the women there, the midwives and the team were just, they resonated so much with us. And so it was a pretty easy decision, but really listened to my intuition on that. I was like, okay. And it's funny because I didn't even end up at the birth center. Anyways, we decided, finally, that we wanted to do it at home. After, you know, being really uncomfortable in the car throughout my pregnancy, we at some point decided like, oh, I'm not going to want to be in the car during labor. So let's just do it at home. So it ended up working out regardless. But yeah, I just thought that was really funny. Um, did you
0: did you then go with those birth center midwives? Did they do home birth? Or did you have to find a totally new midwife?
1: Yes. Those birth center midwives do home births. And they said, you know, you can change your mind at any point if yeah. the day before, or even while you're in labor, you want to come back and do it at the birth center. We can do that. Cause it was like 20 minutes from my house. Beautiful. So they were great. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I've never known anyone who's done a home birth. I always thought just my conditioning, right. Yeah. I thought that home birthing women were like crazy hippies and just a lot stronger than me. Um, and so the more I educated myself though, and the more that I learned throughout my pregnancy, I like the more empowered and and capable I felt. And I quickly became more afraid of the hospital than being at home. Um, so yeah, there was just a lot of, like books that I read, and you know, of course, your podcast. I think your podcast, the stories were just ingrained into my subconscious. And although I doubted myself, there was like my deeper self knew and wasn't afraid. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, our guest date was October 27th, end of October. And, um, I figured I would probably go past that. So on our, on our guest date, we planned a little like date night out and we went out and had dinner and had a, a nice night together. And the next day, my mom called me. So I was 40 weeks. And, um, in Utah, I know it's different everywhere, but in Utah, if you go to 42 weeks, the midwives are no longer allowed to assist you. Um, so your only options are either free birth or go to the hospital, um, because they could lose their license. And so, you know, I knew my midwives were great. They were never afraid. They were like, it's fine. It's going to be fine. No worries. This is totally common. It's very normal to go over. It doesn't, everybody's different. It's not a big deal. And even if you hit 42 weeks, you'll be like, we'll, we'll make it work. we'll figure it out, you know?
0: Um,
1: and so that brought me a lot of solace, but my mom called me at 40 weeks so, 40, 40 weeks in one day, the day after my due date. And she told me that her and all of the women in my family have all gone to 42 weeks and had to be induced and ultimately had C sections. Oh. I mean, had to be induced. They didn't know, right? So, they, they went and got induced and had C sections. So, there is a lot of um, trauma in general,
0: especially on my maternal line, but um, certainly birth trauma. Uh, gosh, that's not a good thing to say when you're 40 weeks i mean that's really good information to, to actually share um to your daughter for sure maybe before pregnancy or in early pregnancy but to do it at that very vulnerable state gosh how know, did you take
1: mom. that news i know and my my sweet mom she what? doesn't she has the best intentions i love her yeah. but she. She's had a rough go and her births were hard. And so I have, I had empathy for her, but I, but it was hard. It was definitely hard and it got to me quite a bit. I had to work through it. And I just had to remind myself because I was doing really great at the end of my pregnancy. I was eating well. I was sleeping well. I was feeling good. I was, I was ready, but I wasn't like, oh God, get this baby out of me. Yeah. I mean, and there might have been even a part of me that was like, take your time. Like I'm nervous for this. So no rush, you know? Um, but I think it left me feeling discouraged, but I had to remind myself that that's not my story. And I had to remind myself that throughout my whole pregnancy, you know, people share unsolicited advice and stories and all these things. And they didn't get to me too much because I just was like, Oh yeah, that's, that's you. That's not me. And again, the stories that I listened to all throughout my pregnancy on your podcast just kind of reinforced that. Like, oh, wow, everyone is so unique and different. So just because that happened to you doesn't mean that's going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. Even like some things that are great that have happened to other women might not happen for me. You know, I have no
0: idea. No. And yeah, wow. And your maternal lineage did tell you though that you're normal in your line. Mm-hmm. is to go closer to 42 weeks. That's your normal. And I want people to know that because, yeah, you know, a lot of places around the world is like this. When you hit 42, you're then out of the low-risk category for some stupid reason. And um, But for some women, 43 weeks is their normal. They're not a lot. You know, still, the majority will birth in that kind of due month. But for some, that's their normal. And for their mm-hmm. babies, and it's all normal. And mm-hmm. we need to start seeing women as unique creatures and not a pumpkin that goes absolutely over over the time
1: limit now you're rotten (laughs) right I know I totally agree and yeah everyone's so unique and especially for first-time moms there's this narrative of like oh it's going to take forever and you'll probably have to go especially in America you'll probably have to go to the hospital you'll probably have to get induced you'll probably have to have all these interventions and I just wish that we could we could set new moms up with the expectation of like, yeah, it's probably going to take a long time. It may not, but you know, it, it is common for first time moms to have a longer labor. That's fine. There's nothing to be afraid of. Yes. Give them the space, like let them have the space to be able, like, and the expectation to be able to work through that instead of being like, mm. you know what I mean? Just like,
0: like the easy way out. Well, which I is guess. not an easy way out at all like ending you're up right on yeah. the induction trail is is one of the hardest things mm-hmm. you'll go through and yeah it's just a self self-fulfilling prophecy though isn't it because this is being told this is also then what's being most people's experience because if you believe in something again right If you mm-hmm. believe that narrative then you're probably going to play out that narrative as well
1: yeah I I agree and just having the support because it's easy to want to give up when you're in the sick of it and so having the support and the patience of people around you um, makes a really big difference. and you're right, going and having these inductions are not an easy way out and there's no shame for people that have had them either. I think some women who have had C-sections or hospital births, it's been super empowering and great experience, right. So I definitely don't want to make anyone think that I, I don't want to make anyone feel ashamed of that either because for some women that's great, right? Um, Absolutely. But for me that wasn't that wasn't the case.
0: <laughs> no. No birth is an easy way out. Like no birth, even the elective cesarean. Like birthing yeah. a baby will never be an easy ordeal okay. and yeah, having a C-section is a huge recovery. Like that's massive abdominal surgery and yeah, you know, the hard part will be after the actual birth of your baby, but it's still, it's a huge thing. Every birth. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So I was a little
1: discouraged, um, right then at 40 weeks and worked through it, reminded myself, that's not my story. That's not my circumstance. Like I'm in a totally different space than any of the women in my family. And this is just another opportunity to break that cycle break another cycle you know which I had been working on for a long time um so uh yeah uh, a week later 41 weeks in one day I started to feel those early signs of labor um so I'll just kind of go into my my birth story now
0: yay yes exciting 41 weeks in one day did you say
1: Yes. So not 42. (laughs) Just Mm -hmm. like proof that everyone's unique, even, even between your family, right? Like it is common for women to birth in a similar way as their mothers, but it's not an exact science.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you can, you can break, you know, the maternal birth story Mm -hmm. narrative, you know, you can, um, Mm -hmm. But it does also mean most likely that you have to do the work, which it sounds like you did, you know, oh. for years before, like you did it, you started that journey long before you got pregnant, um, yeah. which I definitely recommend people doing.
1: I I agree. I did do a lot of work, a lot of work and birth was still really hard. Mm. It's not, it's not an out, right? It's not like, oh you did all this work, this is going to be a piece of cake for you. It's still work.
0: It's more work. (laughs) Oh, it's a right for a reason. It is supposed to break you. It is supposed to, you know, you are going to die. The old you is going to die and the new you as a mother is going to be bust. And that is on all levels. It is a huge ordeal. Yeah. Parts of you that are
1: no longer needed, right? Parts Mm -hmm. of you that you've that are ready to move on and you're ready to move into this new phase and it's beautiful right but yeah it's hard to claim that rite of passage um but yeah anyways in the end it's it's definitely worth it which i'll get into <laughs> um but yeah so i was feeling just so many mixed emotions so Um, It was a Thursday. I started to feel the early signs, just like Braxton Hicks. I had Braxton Hicks pretty much all day. I was at one of my appointments getting checked and they were doing like a stress test or something. And so they had me kind of hooked up to a machine and it was just reading my contractions, I guess. Uh, They
0: they weren't contractions, but they did a CTG maybe. Maybe, maybe that's what it was. That that picks up your contractions and it picks up um, the baby's heart rate. Yes, yeah. So that's what they did. And um, they call it—I didn't know—they call it a stress test. That's yeah, a they very call it interesting a... thing to label it as stress. I know. Test. Okay. Yeah. Have you never heard that? Or is no, that I think I think that's normal? a US term. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, okay. I haven't heard anyone else uh, say that. I do. You know, when you come to forty-one weeks, um usually women will get um offered like an ultrasound to check the mm-hmm. flow of the placenta and yeah, different places, different kind of um, things are offered, right? But yeah, it's checking how baby's doing in there.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. So they did that. And um, it was funny because my midwife came in and she kind of saw the machine, you know, doing its thing. And she's like, are you having contractions? Mm-hmm. Because it kept shooting up and, go, and they were coming in really consistently, but I didn't feel them. So I just assumed they were Braxton Hicks.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I was like, okay, maybe something is happening. I don't know. And anyways, we went home and uh, by Friday, so the next day at 1am, I felt for sure the first actual wave. Um, And it wasn't painful or anything. It was very manageable. It just felt like a period cramp, which I had heard that's very common. Um, But they started to come in pretty consistently, probably like every 20 minutes or so. And I did what I had heard so many women give advice about, which was to rest. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to sleep, get as much rest as I can. And I woke up around 7 a.m., had a big breakfast. Yeah. And at this point, I was like, as I was eating my breakfast, I was like, okay, I think this is probably the day these are coming on pretty consistently. Um, And I was super nervous. I was feeling a lot of mixed emotions, but I knew that I had done everything that I could to prepare, right? Like I read the books, I listened to the podcasts, I took the classes, I worked on myself internally, my meditation, like I had taken really good care of myself. And I had this connection with my baby and now it's time to just surrender and let it unfold. And it's easier said than done, but like I just checked in with myself and I was like you've done the work, you've prepared. Now just let it happen whatever happens. Yeah. Um so we had a really beautiful day in early labor. We had my partner Nate and I had got our space ready. We set up a little altar. Um we had like candles everywhere and uh, cleaned up a bit. We we blew up the pool just so that it was ready. Um, and yeah, we we got all the food ready. I wasn't sure what kind of food I would want to eat during labor. So I just had all kinds of different things <laughs> ready just in case, which I didn't eat any of it, which is really funny. But um, we baked a cake for for our daughter, like a little birthday cake. And <laughs> that was just a nice day, you know, and the waves are coming and they're very manageable. And then around 5 p.m. we decided to make dinner and we I my sister-in-law had brought me a bunch of florals. I love I love to do floral arrangements, so she had brought me all kinds of different flowers and eucalyptus and stuff and I was cutting them and putting them in their vases, which was a great practice I feel like in early labor because it was it was just very meditative. It gave me something to do. Um, the fresh flowers just smelled so good. So I would be cutting flowers and then I'd have to walk over to the sink and like, uh, squat down and hold onto the sink. Cause they were really starting to ramp up. Mm. Um, and so that was about 5. PM, uh, the contractions picked up. They were like every, every five or so minutes. And that lasted for about three hours. So around 8. PM is when I hit four, one, one, which is what they say. <laughs> so they say when you hit 411 to call the midwives. And Do you so want to tell everyone when, what
0: that means for anyone who haven't heard that before?
1: Yes, of course. So it's when contractions are happening every four minutes. Um, and they, they, least, they last for one minute. And that happens for at least an hour. Mm. So that was happening. And they were really strong. And so my partner called our midwife. And it's just uh, whoever's on call, there's three different midwives at the birth center and whoever's on call. We have the schedule at that time is who you call. So a woman named Eve was on call and we called her and a different midwife answered. Her name was Libby. And apparently an hour before we called Eve had forwarded all of her stuff to Libby because her husband was sick mm-hmm. and it was just so funny because talking to everybody after like Libby was for sure the midwife who it was it was the universe you know it was mm-hmm. divine for sure because Libby was the one that I think I needed at my birth and even talking to Eve she was like oh yeah I, I I'm really glad Libby was there because I think I would have done things differently
0: and ah.
1: So yeah, it I think it makes a big difference, and I know it makes a big
0: difference who you have in your space. Hundred percent. I'm really curious to hear what happened now. Okay, so you called yeah. Libby. What happened? Yes, oh, I love Libby.
1: Um, so so we called her, and I don't know what happened on the phone. I was just taking the waves, and so my partner was talking to her, kind of giving her an idea of where I was at, and sure, she was asking questions, all those things. Um, so she ended up coming at like 11 o'clock so a couple hours later she came over and um, she arrived she checked my vitals made sure I was good um, got her stuff all set up she did really good at blending into the background she didn't bother us too much she's really quiet um, and I had written out the midwives actually asked me to write out what I want my birth to look like mm-hmm. um, any anything that I could think of that I wanted they wanted to help facilitate that for me which mm-hmm. I loved And so I kind of wrote down, like, I don't, I have no fucking idea. Like, I don't know how I'm going to respond to these sensations, but Mm -hmm. I have some tools. Here are the tools I plan on using. You can help remind me of. Um, And I really, the most important thing is just whoever is involved in my space, whoever comes into my space, I just would like them to bring love and patience. I think patience was the biggest thing for me because I that's what I, that's my work. Like I'm not patient with myself, you know, and I, I try to rush the process. And so I needed to make sure that my team did that. So, so she came in and I think she knew she was just like calm and gentle and patient the whole time, which was great. Um, so yeah, that was around 11. She gets set up we had set up the tub. So around midnight, I was like, I want to get in the tub. I've heard, I've heard magical things about this water and I want, I need that right now. So we filled it up and I hopped in and it was, oh, I, there just aren't words to describe the relief. I just started sobbing in the water because it just took away the pain that I was feeling. And it was so amazing. And so I labored in the tub for a while and it was just, it felt so good. Um, And Libby laid on my couch and fell asleep. And I was like, oh, that's not a good sign for me. Great for her. And I love that she, cause you know, she needs rest. Right. Um, But I was like, oh, like I was thinking I was going to have a baby soon. You know, this is my first time. And this is intense. Mm -hmm. And it's been going on since for a for a few hours now. I mean, yeah. Anyways, I was just like, okay. Well, if she's going to rest, then I'm going to rest because we, we might have some time here, um, ahead of us. So I, my partner and I went into the bedroom and, you know, got in bed and I, um, uh, it was really hard. They were coming on strong. So I was breathing really loud and I was squeezing Nate's hand, every contraction and we're laying in bed and he ended up falling asleep. And I wanted him to sleep because I knew that he would need rest as well to help me through the rest of labor. So I was—I didn't want to wake him up by like squeezing his hand and breathing really loud like I had been. So I was like, okay, next time a contraction or a wave comes on, try to remain non-reactive. Just try not to tense up, like make it a meditation, right? So the wave would come and I would not move any muscles in my whole body. In my face, I wouldn't tense up. I wouldn't like breathe really loud. I would just like be really steady. And, um, I did it for, for one of the waves. I did it. And I was like, okay, I can do that again. And it was just like one moment at a time. Right. That's it. So, so then I, the next one came and I was like, I can do this again. And I just laid there and, you know, meditated through these waves. And before I knew it, it was like 7.00 AM. So I had fallen asleep. And I was experiencing them like almost like a dream because I knew I was still experiencing them, but it wasn't, the time just was gone, you know, it had been hours. Um, so, so yeah, it was 7am and that was when, I mean, that was really cool. I don't want to like just brush past that because that was really, really awesome. Yeah. So um, making, having a meditation practice, I think really benefited me, which I had, meditated a lot throughout my pregnancy
0: and also that you know so the midwife obviously came kind of probably picked up you were still in you know you were in labor but yeah this was probably still gonna take some while so she took herself off to sleep which both is good for her but also actually is good for you because it also sends signals that you're fine Mm -hmm. you know your subconscious knows there's a safety in your living room lying there sleeping like you know that so you can fully allow yourself to be in what you're in and you took like this radical self-responsibility in that moment where you went like mm. I feel so safe in my home right now I have my support out there with her I have my support next to me sleeping I'm so safe and then you turned inward and you met it you fully mm. met it and that's what each woman need to do because it is her right Mm-hmm. people that are around her can support her love her be there also like a midwife you know in case of emergency whatever it be that protection for her in, in different ways but she's the one ultimately that needs to claim her right and birth her baby and mm-hmm. find that um mastery over the mind really mm-hmm. that sounds like what you did and what a gift i mean just hearing
1: the way that you said that i feel so grateful there's so much gratitude there for to have that safety Mm -hmm. to feel safe especially coming from a childhood in a place where like I wasn't safe a lot you know Mm -hmm. and so to this is all part of that shedding that trauma it's not there's so many layers right Mm -hmm. and so to have that safety to to be in my power and to step into that for myself is so beautiful I I mean I want that for everybody you know Mm -hmm. and yeah I've heard of midwives that come and leave you know if it's too early they'll leave and circumstances sometimes that happens like if they're Mm -hmm. overwhelmed or busy or Mm -hmm. have to go to another birth or whatever it is I get it but yeah I was really grateful for Libby so Mm -hmm. that was really beautiful um Yeah. So 7am, uh, our midwife assistant arrives and her name was Kate and Kate was awesome. She just like, she walked in and, and kind of took over for Libby right at that moment. You know, I was taking, I had come out into the living room and was on the ball, you know, doing some different postures in the living room. And, um, Kate just stepped right in and I could feel her energy. And it was amazing. It was like really strong woman, but also like, Gentle and grounded. So, um, yeah, took some waves out here for a while, ended up going back in the bedroom. And I mean, I was all over the place. I know some women are like, you know, stagnant or whatever, but I was like in the bedroom, in the kitchen, in the bathroom, in the pool, like all over the place. But eventually I was in the bedroom. And then um, we moved to the bathroom around 11 a.m. And at this point I was like really doubting my ability to do this. My mind was really starting to unravel. Mm-hmm. The waves were coming on a lot stronger and I really felt like I was drowning. Um and I just really vacillated between doubt and trust the whole day. So there would be times where I would be like looking into whoever's eyes was in front of me, Libby or Nate and I would just shake my head, no. Like no, I can't do this. And they were just so grounded. And their eyes would just be telling me, yes, like, you can do this, you are doing this. And they would say that you're doing it. And I would be like, I can't keep doing it, though. Like, I was getting so frustrated. And then there were times, you know, I moved out into the tub. At one point, I got in and out of the tub a few times. And I got in the tub, and I just closed my eyes, reconnected, I would just lose that connection, you know, and I reconnected with myself. And one of my practices was to communicate with my baby and my body. So talking to both, you know, Mm -hmm. and I would just say, you know, we can do this. I'm here with you. I love you. I'm going to meet you soon. Mm -hmm. And there was a time where I just out loud was like, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And I just repeated that over and over and over again. Um, yeah and so that was that was really helpful too. having a few mantras there was I wrote down a bunch of mantras to have on hand just in case um (laughs) my mind started to unravel which it did
0: so I I reached for that and that was really helpful and that's the thing it's like it's a part of the rite of passage very few women have I ever ever met and I've seen hundreds of births, right? And I've spoken to so many women, obviously, through this podcast and my work. Mm. And I can't even tell you, I wouldn't say there's more than a handful that would say that they did not go through the crisis of confidence, did not through transition, were saying that they couldn't do it. Like it's a part of the right. It's a part of that, you know, that meeting, meeting mm. death in one sense, feeling that, feeling the veil so thin, feeling that yeah birth is birth is close and it's a part of it it's a part of truly doubting and then realizing that actually it's all within me and Mm. i can do this it's it's a huge it is you're going through this process it's massive and I think it's so important for women to hear it over and over again by different women sharing this crisis of confidence, this transition time. This, you know, this ultimate peak before the birth of your baby. Because most women will meet this, and so if you know that when you go through it yourself, you can call on all the wisdom from all the women you've heard before speak of this time, and he might help you through it. And I have heard women speak of how it helped them through it because they knew it, they recognized it. Right? Okay. This is the place where I'm gonna feel these things and it's normal. This is what women go through.
1: Absolutely. And just allowing myself to unravel was so empowering, right? Like, I'd always had a hard time being emotional in front of my partner. I would lock myself in the bathroom and hide away and mm. feel ashamed, you know? And that's also connected to generational stuff. And, but, you know, birth is just this wild thing. And I promised myself that I would let him. In fact, I, I was going to have my mom come and I I didn't end up having her attend because, well, A, I was thinking like, oh, it'll be great for her. It'll be so healing for her. Mm-hmm. And one of the women in my, um, that led one of the courses that I took said, that's, if that feels right to you, do it. And your birth should not be healing for somebody else. Yeah. So if that's the intention, just think about that a little bit. And I was like, well, for sure, that's like the main reason I was going to have her there because I thought it would be so healing for her. Um, And another thing is that I really wanted to lean on Nate. I wanted to bring our baby into the world together. I wanted to, you know, connect with him in that way and allow myself to just unfold in front of him, you know, and I think that had my mom been there it might've just the energy would have been different because of course when you're in those moments, you're like, Oh, I want my mom, you know? And so, and I love her. And that's, that's beautiful. If that's, you know, for somebody, somebody else's story. But I was really grateful that she wasn't because I think that it would have been a really hard for her to see me like that. And she might've been, you know, like I'll pull the car around. We'll take you to the hospital. And I would've been like, okay, let's go. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, allowing myself to unfold was really empowering. So I just cried so hard, you know, and I wasn't ashamed. I just, and it felt good. You know, like when you, when you throw up or you have a release, Mm -hmm. it just feels good. So it just felt good to cry. It was like helping with the pain and I just let myself do it. And it was, yeah. And Nate still loves me. There's no problems with like, you know, of course it's just a fear of not being loved. And it is so- Yeah, Yeah, that was really beautiful.
0: And you know what? I love that because that's one of the key things in labor that can really move things along is actually a big cry. Letting Mm -hmm. the waters flow, whether that is through your tears, Mm -hmm. vomiting, you know, from your vagina, through your bum, wherever it comes out, like just letting things go actually is really, really powerful and potent, just like you said. And yeah, crying, expressing can really release if done in that manner, you know? Yeah, let it come out. Do you want to hold space for a woman's rite of passage from maiden to mother and provide a safe, sacred and physiological birth space for her and her family? Do you view birth as a sacred portal and a life altering event worthy of honoring safeguarding and celebrating then the spiritual midwife mentorship program is for you starting on the 15th of may weaving ancient and modern knowledge of her story women's wisdom physiological birth skills and birth advocacy and the art of sacred space holding. This program is unique to its kind as it also offers one-on-one mentoring with me, personally assisting you in becoming the clear channel and the best space holder you can be. You will be held, nurtured and supported for a whole year inside our worldwide spiritual midwife community as you learn and embody the teachings and skills and start sharing your gifts with the world through monthly masterclasses QA's, support and sharing circles as well as the one-on-one mentoring this program is like no other program in the world in its depth of value and support that you'll receive for more information and to apply click on the link in the show notes or visit me at thenaturalbirthcourse.com
1: So it was early afternoon. We're in the bathroom. I'm just like sobbing on the toilet and they had me sitting on the toilet backwards Mm -hmm. and I had my feet up on yoga blocks on either side too. So I was in a really great position Mm -hmm. crying. um, And in between waves, I would just lay my head down on a pillow that was on top of the toilet and I would almost fall asleep. And so I really rested in between, which I had heard a lot of women talk about too, Um, And that was helpful. And there were times where I would take a wave. And then I would just like, stop and breathe and close my eyes. And Nate would like sing me a song or he would like rub my, um, my forehead a little bit. And it kind of helped me get into a more like Zen space, you know, so I could really rest in between. That was really helpful. Nate was oh. He was so amazing. I I always say, I'm like, I feel like you were a midwife in another life because he was just so grounded. He was so comfortable in the space. He just trusts. He trusted me. He trusted birth. He wasn't afraid. He was, mm-hmm. you know, really connected and he didn't have his phone. He actually got a lot of shit from our family later on because we had texted the women in that came to my mother's blessing and said, Hey, light your candles. We're going into labor. So our families knew that we were in labor, um, but then neither of us had our phone the whole rest of the time. Good. Which is how it should be, right? Yes. But (laughs) but culturally, that's really hard when none of our, nobody in either of our families has ever done a home birth. So they were like really nervous and freaking out and all this time was going by. And they actually did a drive by, they drove by our house, they called the hospitals. which is a whole nother topic, right? It's like this fear. And, and um, my brother-in-law who he just loves us and mm. bless his heart. He had texted Nate the next day and said, you know, you need to step up. It's your responsibility to keep the family informed and like da, 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 da. And we, you know, we didn't take offense to it or anything because it's just where he's at, but I thought I've never been more in love with this person. He Mm -hmm. has like, he stepped up past like what I could have ever imagined. You know, he was there for me. He was, he was riding the waves with me. Mm -hmm. It felt like, you know, and, and that's how it should be. Mm -hmm. Um, And we, like, we brought our daughter into this world together, like hand Mm -hmm. in hand, he wasn't looking at his phone or, telling people like oh she's this far dilated like that matters or is helpful for anybody you know so anyways that was a
0: tangent about that yeah (laughs) and it's good for people to know you know it's deciding whether to tell or not obviously and and maybe prepare family that you know as a first time mama I can go for three days you know Mm -hmm. if I don't if you don't hear from me now doesn't mean something bad's happened but i'm going into my birth bubble and maybe prepare then the whole family that i will not be available from the moment i step into the birth altar i will not be available until i choose to be so and yes you know maybe this can be a good like prompting for anyone who's about to birth to really inform the immediate family or surrounding that you know i want i want to be you know stay clear of <laughs> me and my phone (laughs) for for the next, you know, whatever time. Yeah. And my partner, like let my partner Mm -hmm. be in it with me.
1: Let us do this. Let us have this, you know, Mm. and it's all out of love. I get that. But in retrospect, I, I do wish we would have said Mm. something to them. And we talked about it like, oh yeah, we, we probably should have let you guys know that that was going to happen because of course you're afraid. That's what our society has conditioned us to be. Um there's that little
0: cotton sock they (laughs) drove past to check. How cute is that? I mean, that really shows their love, even though that it's you know maybe at least they didn't come inside, you know. That's good. They did respect that. (laughs) Could have been worse. It could have
1: been worse. Yes, so early afternoon. So I had been in labor for uh I don't know, what is that? 14 hours, 12 hours. And, um, I asked if we, I hadn't had any cervical checks up to this point.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I mean, and this is a whole other topic, but after reflecting on this, I, I don't really believe that interventions are inherently bad as long as the woman is informed and feels empowered and is ultimately the one calling the shots.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: in my case, I was looking for my team to tell me what to do. And that's not empowering. Mm. So luckily for me, I was surrounded by really great people. But I had asked, like, do you think we should check? Like, it's getting like, this is crazy. It's the next day. Like, I've been in labor for so long and it's so hard. And, and Libby, she didn't even answer right away. She was just really slow with everything. But she was like, we can do whatever you want to do. Well, what do you think that's going to do for you? How, do you think that's going to help you? And I was just like, fuck. Because I knew she was right. You know, I knew I was looking for a way out, but I was like, ugh. And so um, that just kind of gave me more time, you know? And maybe not necessarily in a good way i was just in my head is what it was i was in my head and i was not letting it flow i was i was just birth has a way of bringing up your shit and i was yes. deep in mine That's you know nice. i was trying to rush i wasn't being patient i was disconnected like i know these things i know that i need to turn inward i know that i need to be patient i know that i need to soften and release tension and let it unfold and yet mm-hmm. i was just looking for a way out right and so it was that Pendulum of like trust doubt, trust out. Yeah. So, which is
0: human and which most women will go through. Mm-hmm. And that is why it's so beautiful to have a wise woman there that can bring you back to oh. you, right? Those yeah. midwives that actually embody that, you know? Yep. Yeah. 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 Libby really trusted birth.
1: She had spent time in Uganda as well assisting births there. Mm-hmm. And it's just totally physiological, right? They don't do ultrasounds, they don't do they don't have any of that. And so she would see babies born without any amniotic fluid whatsoever, and they were fine. Mm-hmm. And so that was, it was really great to have someone who just trusted that physiological birth and, and trusted me. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. At some point in the bathroom, while I was taking waves. The I had a little bit of blood that came because I never, my water never broke. I never had bloody show. Um, it didn't have any, my mucus plug didn't come out that I knew of. And so I was kind of like, is everything okay? Like, are we sure I don't need some type of intervention? Like nothing is happening except for that I'm feeling these really painful waves. And to me, it was it was, it was was painful physically, like it did hurt, but the mental side was definitely harder for me. Um, I know some women don't like to use the word pain and that's totally fine for me. It was like, oh, this is painful. This is really hard.
0: And the hard time, the hard thing was not knowing for how long is this going to go for? Is that one of the things? Yeah. That's the mental side. Yeah.
1: It's like, this mm. could be another, however long. And so I was just going to the worst case scenario in my mind of ending up in a C-section. Yeah. And so I was like, well, let's just go and get it over with Then If that's what's going to happen, let's just go. But I, but then I was like, okay, Brittany, there are other things you can do. And so a cervical exam was the next thing for me. and after about, so a couple more hours had gone by and, you know, I was just taking the waves and I was having a hard time and then having a great time and then having a hard time and then having a great time. And Libby was feeding me spoonfuls of honey, which ended, I had all kinds of food and it ended up being just, she, she went in and got, grabbed the honey out of my kitchen and just started feeding it to me, yes. which was great. I mean, it gave me that little, I, that honey was mm. everything. Everything. Had yep. eaten, right? And so I had no energy. And the, the honey just gave me that little bit, little boost that I needed. Yep. They tried to feed me rice too. And I ate a little bit of rice. It wasn't great. Um, they fed me water all day long, so I was staying hydrated, which was awesome. But the honey was really, really helpful. Um, so finally I was like, you know what? I want to get checked. I want I have gone my whole pregnancy without any injury, like any cervical exams. I feel like right now I just want to know. Mm -hmm. And I felt really secure and grounded in that decision. Like there was no shame in it. So we went in the bedroom and I quickly realized that all cervical exams are not created equal. I am in my bed. I am in my cozy, safe space with Libby, who I love and trust. And she had me lay back in like a supine butterfly position. So the bottoms of my feet were together, my knees were out wide. She, put her fingers on my inner thigh and just said, at any point, if you need me to pull back or, you know, something's not feeling right, you let me know. You're going to feel my fingers go inside. Like she, She kind of explained what she was doing and it was just safe. It felt really grounded. And I think the reason why, and you can elaborate on this more if you would like, but the reason why I had heard that you don't want to get a cervical exam is because your cervix is like a sphincter right and so if something goes up and is touching it and agitating it it can close up um and then prolong labor um but for me it that didn't happen because I felt so safe right Mm -hmm. and so my cervix was just open and Libby said it was super flexible and you know so that so
0: that was good um yeah it's all you know I'm not against vaginal examinations at all when done within like intent it's not a routine because we want Mm -hmm. to measure women's bodies it's because you know the woman asks for it one Mm. or there's an actual medical indication something uh, is telling me as a midwife maybe that maybe something's out of normal here or maybe Mm -hmm. you know for to know what the next step is if something is just not progressing in a way that's looking like a normal physiological birth you know and then we have a totally different reason which is if you ever have a medicalized birth then it, yeah then it's a totally different you know then you do need to have a little bit more maybe of intervention happening like more of a routine kind of vaginal examination um, right but but what you experienced is exactly how i would do a vaginal examination very mm-hmm. like very slow very much so telling you absolutely everything i do and That you can at any time tell me to stop or, or, you know, get out. Mm -hmm. That I'm not doing anything to you. It is together with you. And Mm -hmm. especially because you also asked for it. So it was very much, you know, guided by you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes I'll as well, if a woman wants to know, I'll say, you can check yourself, maybe, you know, put Mm -hmm. in your own fingers and see what can you feel? Tell me, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, yeah, there's so many ways that you can use vaginal examinations and how you can yeah, perform them, you yourself as a birthing woman or or as a midwife. But what if a vaginal examination is done by someone who doesn't have this uh, way of seeing it, who does it mm-hmm. very much so maybe rough and it's more clinical, it's more... Mm -hmm. Um, maybe they don't say anything you know we all know we've gone to maybe gynecologists or whoever who does a pap smear and everyone's very different in how they do things right and I think that Mm -hmm. when anyone even gets close to a woman's vagina uh, it needs to be very gentle very slow for the whole Mm -hmm. being of a woman to allow that to happen Yeah. This
1: is such a good point. And I think it's really important for everyone listening to be super aware and mindful during their checkups, right? Of what their body is feeling and telling them because Mm -hmm. all of my midwives were great. I loved them all. They were amazing, but I was so calm when I would meet with Libby Mm -hmm. and I like my laying down when they would check the heartbeat and Mm -hmm. stuff. My back hurt every single time, except when Libby would check me. Mm -hmm. And like, it was always a little bit rough when someone else would like measure my belly. Mm -hmm. But, and they were, I don't think that they were being rough. I think it was my body. I think it was me. I think my body was responding. Right. And I think part of me knew that I needed Libby. Mm -hmm. And so if you're going and you're getting checked and you feel tense or you feel nervous or you're feeling off, listen to that and that doesn't yeah. mean you need to fire the person right
0: away but like question it explore it like be aware of it mm-hmm. and that's it yeah and voice even it. voice it you know you can have a great practitioner but you have if you have that feeling speak up about it that can inform them how they can be even better and mm-hmm. you know if you are a midwife most likely you're in that profession because you really care about women and families and babies and wanting Mm -hmm. to do the best care you can and feedback is great when given in a loving respectful way you know that you know Mm -hmm. i wish you would do that a bit slower i wish you would talk me through what you're doing right now or you know even you know even just the the thing of like if you want to go for pap smear or whatever you know informing that person that's going to do that like this is how you i want you to touch me i want you to go slow i want you not to be rough i want you to talk me through it you know voice it because they're doing you a favor and and you are employing their services you know you're not there Ah. to please them you know you need to state what you need and we need more practitioners that are gentle and kind and uh actually trauma-informed because let's face it mm. 23 women have experienced violence uh, mm-hmm. and sexual violence that's 33 yeah. percent of women and so we need a profession that can hold space for all women to have um any kind of vaginal examination for any kind of reason um mm. in a very much more holistic way than it's done today
1: most of the time I agree. And it's it's that good girl thing too of like mm-hmm. not asking for what we want and need. Why? Like, why are we not doing this? You know, yeah. it, it, because trauma, because it's hard, because mm-hmm. we're conditioned, because society, so conditioned. all of these things, but we can shed ourselves of that. And birth is a great opportunity to really step into that. So I love yeah. that you said that. And yeah, I can see how it could mess with your mental state if you are not quite as far along as you want to be. Um, so Libby had said, do you want to know a number or do you want to just know that you're progressing? Mm. And I said, I want to know a number. (laughs) And she said, you're at an eight, almost a nine. Mm. And so that was great. Right. Had I been at a three, the story might be different. I don't know, but Mm. I was really happy to hear that. I was like, okay, okay. I can do this. We're, we're getting really close. And she had said that my cervix was really flexible and like Mm -hmm. malleable and that she thought the baby's head could like fit through because Mm -hmm. it was so stretchy and she was like do you mind if I keep my hand in you while you have your next wave um we can take it out at any time whatever and I was like yeah that's great so she kept her hand up there and my my waters obviously had not broken and she said okay so that's kind of what's going on like the baby's head could probably fit through but the waters, the bag of waters is in the way. Like it's, it's blocking, blocking it or whatever. So I was like, all right. So I just continued riding these waves and I ended up going and getting back in the tub, the pool. And I was just not okay mentally. I was just spiraling. And in my mind, I was like, Every contraction that my water didn't break, I was just going further and further down this spiral. Because to me, I was like, until my waters break, we're not going to progress, which is silly, right? Mm -hmm. Because babies are born with the waters intact all Mm -hmm. the time. Like it Mm
0: -hmm. happens. Yeah. Especially in home births, especially in water births.
1: Right. And so, but I was just creating these stories in my head that like Mm -hmm. my water needed to break in order to move forward. So then every time it didn't, I was just discouraged.
0: Um, so that was really, really hard. And I, can I just say, because I just think this is such great like, like snippet here, because even though that experience of the badger exam was amazing, and she told you something that was positive in your mind, still that information that the water sack was there and just the mention Right Then started you in your head spiraling. So I just uh-huh. want everyone to understand that everything someone says in your environment as you're birthing, casts uh-huh. the spell. It's so important. And, you know, totally innocent, totally like great information, you know, but it's how you take it. And it's what you do with it. And we can, yeah, it's just, I just find it very interesting and fascinating. I just want everyone to like, just take a moment and just think about it, you know? Oh, I totally agree. It is fascinating to me. And
1: I also believe that everything happens for a reason. So in my case, I believe that the people who needed to be there were there. I believe that the decisions I made were exactly the right decisions that needed to happen. I feel I feel empowered in the decisions I made. Mm. And yeah, this is birth. It has a way, like I said, of bringing up your shit. And this mm-hmm. was my shit. I needed yeah. to learn to trust myself. Mm. You know, and so I was not trusting in order to learn how to trust, I was deep in doubt, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where I was. I was just like, I was like, I don't think I'm capable of doing this. And that's sad to feel that way. Of course, like when I envisioned my birth, it, that's not what I was saying to myself. I was like fully in my power, and you know, I mean, and and I was in my power, even though I was sitting there doubting. Like that was me moving into my power. That was okay. me stepping into it. Nice. And so, yeah. Um. Anyways, so so I was in the tub, having a really hard time, <clears throat> and so finally I had said, "Should we break my water?" And again, I'm asking, I'm asking them if you know, like Nate and and Libby. I'm like, should what do you think? Looking for external um, guidance instead of my own, instead of making my own decisions. Like you would think at this point I would have learned, right? But I was still in the learning process, I guess. Mm. So they, I don't even remember what they said. Mm. I think that they, I don't even think they answered me. They think they just were like, why don't we go to the bedroom and try a couple different, you know, it's not like they were trying to distract me, but that's, and that that's what happened. They're like, let's go in the bed. Like, let's move. Let's, let's do something, you know? So they took me to the bedroom. I had a, like one foot up on a, a yoga block. I was in a low squat. They were helping me move. And cause I was kind of getting stagnant a few times. And that movement, as you know, really helps baby, you know, make their mm-hmm. way, make their way down. So, um, uh back in the bedroom again. <laughs> At this point it's like 4 p.m. five, maybe five. Mm-hmm. Um and after a while in there, I was finally just like, you know what? I want to break my water. Like, I'm ready. I'm really ready for this. And again, I think I think looking back, I'm like, was that? me trying to rush the process but then when I think about it laying back again in a, in a supine butterfly position Libby prepared to break my water she had the little crochet hook that you reach up there and she was checking in with me and she was like okay once we do this it, it will probably ramp up so just be prepared for that you know, the waters aren't going to be acting as a cushion anymore. It's just going to be baby's head against your cervix. And so it'll be a lot more intense. And I was like, okay, let's do this. And the second she broke my water, I had felt like I was being suffocated. And the second she broke my water, I just felt all of my fear just gush out and it felt so amazing. And I just was sobbing. And I said, I just kept saying, thank you. Over and over again. So when I think about that moment, I mean, it was—I remember that distinctly. I don't feel like it was me being afraid or rushing. I feel like it was me being empowered and listening to what I needed, and then it happened. And I was like, "That is exactly what I needed."
0: Mm, I love that. I love that. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know. It's like you decided Uh that—that was you feeling that inner voice saying to you that this is what needed to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: that was a beautiful moment. Um, but it definitely ramped up after that. Mm -hmm. So I took a few contractions there. They were a lot more intense. It was starting to get where I was like grunting, like in the back of my throat and, um, like my body, I felt my body pushing Mm -hmm. and, um, like it, it just was way more intense. I don't know how to explain it. So eventually I moved into the bathroom and took a few of those waves on the toilet. And um I was just, I mean, Nate was just basically holding me up this whole time. And I was like, and Libby had said, you know, since you're not, you're, you might not be at a 10 yet. Um, but if you push and you're not at a 10, you're you can agitate your cervix, like your cervix can swell. And so and then that can prolong the process. I don't remember how she said it. You know, she might not have said it just like that, but that's how I took it. And so my, in my mind, I was like, okay, try not to push with the contract, like try not to push is what my, my saying
0: <laughs> And it's like cringes. She's like, no, oh, this bloody stuff about the cervix. Oh my God. Can it stop? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't agree. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um yeah yeah so it is the cervix doesn't doesn't swell like if you push no, like if, or you know if the head is going to open that the head is going to mm. come through like okay. that's, like you don't need to be at supp- 10 no that no <laughs> that's like that's the thing it's like that's what the head is supposed to do it's supposed to to mm. open the cervix and okay. so if you if it if you, if the head, you know, gets on the cervix, you're going to feel, yeah, that's going to create stronger contraction, stronger traction. And eventually you're going to feel pushy. And when you feel pushy, that is because that's what needs to happen.
1: Mm, okay. Yeah. yeah. that I mean, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. And I think I probably had heard all these things on your podcast mm-hmm. and when you're in the thick of it and in the heat of the moment, it's just, yeah, it's a lot you know? Yeah. So again, it's important to make sure whoever's there is who you want to be there, who they, their yeah. values align with yours. And I, I believe Libby's did, you know? Totally. And, I mean, and
0: she didn't even want to check your cervix. Yeah. yeah. And she, had, she you know, had you, had you started true. to feel pushy, she probably wouldn't have said, Hey, hang on, let's just check that you're fully. I don't think that she would have done that. She doesn't sound like a midwife who would do that. And so mm-hmm. if you don't do that, then why would you hold a belief that the body would, push before you're ready. You know what I mean? So, oh, for sure. Yeah. It's just a thing that I'm I'm struggling with understanding why there's still so many midwives that.
1: Yeah. And she, she didn't tell me not to push either. Right. At no point did she say, don't push. I didn't say, I feel like I need to push. Like, Mm. I think for sure that communication could have been better too I mean and when you're in labor you're in labor land so you're not like really communicating if, like no very efficiently right you're just like you're not oh, supposed no, to yeah yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh so so yeah eventually um I ended up moving back into the tub and at this point it's like oh it's like six ish six at night oh, god so it had been so long it felt like to me and we I started doing the horse lips. I don't know the correct term for that, mm-hmm. but just breathing through my lips. And that helped really, that helped a lot with these more intense contractions. Um, so that was really helpful. <clears throat> we got in the tub and it's starting to get dark, and I was like, oh God, the sun has gone up and it has gone down, and I am still in labor. <laughs> and so I Um, my partner and I, I started humming a song while I was in the water, um, inner peace by beautiful chorus. And he had noticed that I started humming that. So he put it on the speaker. And so that, and then we just started singing it together and we just kind of swayed together and we're singing that song. It was a really beautiful moment too, in the midst of the chaos and the intensity to just kind of like ground myself a little bit, you know? And I asked Libby, I was like, "Is there anything else we can do to help open my cervix?" And she said, "So she ended up bringing out. She said she had a like an herb that she could give me, and it was called gelsemium. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but it's a plant that is supposed to help soften the cervix. So, hmm. so I took that, and then uh, I don't know, like forty-five minutes later, she was like, "If you want, you can feel like you said. She's like, reach up and see if you see what you can feel." I was like okay so I reached up and I I was like oh it feels like the head is still pretty far up there and she's like okay that's fine like just keep doing what you're doing you're doing great keep keep breathing you know um and at this point Nate was in the tub with me and he was behind me kind of holding me up and uh then like 10 minutes later Libby was like do you do you mind if I check and see what I could feel. And I was like, yeah, that's great. She reached up and she was like, Oh, she's like, put your hand back in there. Do you, do you feel that? And it was the head, but I didn't know that because I thought it was just like some like swollen part of my vagina. Like I didn't know it felt like a raisin. And I think even looking back, I'm like, was I feeling her shoulder? Cause that felt like a head to me, you know, that soft or, you know, smooth surface. but." Of course, her head is squished in there. I I know this, but in the moment I was like, I had no idea. So she was like right there. And Libby's like, do you feel like to you want to push? Do you feel like you can push? And I was like, oh yeah, I've been feeling like I need to push for like 40 minutes. And she's like, oh my gosh, well, let's push then. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, I've just been making this harder for myself than I needed to be. So I was like, oh shit, I have to start pushing. Okay. So, and this is the most intense part for me, um, which is saying a lot. And we really put in the work here. Um, but I will say I was so in tune during pushing and that felt so nice because I had heard about the ring of fire and I, um, I was pushing with each contraction and I would feel that ring of fire, that sort of burning sensation down there. And as I felt that, I would pull back and I had watched Ina May's documentary about um, birth birth stories. And so I had seen all the women sort of panting, like when they would get to that point to help pull back, which is, this is really funny. I know I was really in tune here because I wasn't rushing. This is like the one thing I was, cause I was like, oh, we're there. Right. So I was like, really taking my time. I would get to that edge. I would feel the ring of fire. Then I would pant and pull back. And that allowed baby girl's head to stretch my perineums. Right which is what I had heard so many times on your podcast. Um, But it was nice to be in tune with that and to like, let my body do its thing. Um, So yeah, we did that for about an hour. I pushed for about an hour. Um, And then it just felt like this really sacred dance between, like I was for sure in between worlds at this point. Um, And it felt, it was just the most spiritual experience I've ever had. Right. Being so in tune with that. And Finally, I, um, Libby was like, do you want to try a different position? Do you want to hop out and try a different position? Cause we had been doing that for about an hour. And I was like, yeah. And I hopped out and just immediately felt the force of gravity. And I was like, oh, we are so close. And so I had turned around and was sort of squatted down, holding the outside of the tub and Nate was on my side and Libby was behind me. And I gave like a really powerful push but this time when I came to that edge and I felt that fire I actually leaned in and I remember thinking just let it tear you open like walk through the fire give yourself over to it this is this is the moment where you have to surrender um and I could feel her head between my legs And I thought her head was out and it wasn't, but I could feel it there. And I was like, ready. I was like, I'm giving myself over to this. I'm, this is the part where I'm surrendering and I'm just going to do it. Um, And with the next push, she was born and she came out just all in one. So her, sometimes the head will come out and there'll be a pause, but she just came out all in one and just sort of fell out. And I don't think that anybody was prepared for it. Um so Libby like Nate had Nate was going to catch her and Libby had asked in between if I wanted to get back in the tub but I was like I can't get back in the tub right now this is crazy and I was just in my own world too so I just pushed and she came out and so Nate had like caught her head but and Libby was behind and she kind of came out onto the floor and she was wrapped in her cord like it took like a solid minute to untangle her she was wrapped like four times and so I'm just like in shock, and mm-hmm. Libby is, you know, untangling her. And I am like, Is she okay? Is she good? And Libby's like, She's good. She's beautiful. I'm just untangling her and get her untangled. I sit down on the floor, and Libby kind of maneuvers her around. Nate is sitting down behind me, and I'm just sort of leaned up against him on the ground. And Libby just drapes her over my chest. And it was the most like, Oh, it was just worth every single moment. It was so visceral too, like this transformation. I had, I felt like I had new blood flowing through my veins. I, I like, I've been thinking of how to try to describe this, and it's really difficult. But I felt completely transformed. I felt like a new person. I felt like I had just been born. Um, it like every. fiber within me was just like, felt like lightning was going through me. Um, and I just said, we did it. We did it. I just looked at her and said, we did it. And I, yeah, looking back, I I'm so proud of myself and I feel like I made my family proud, like my ancestors proud. And it was truly like this breaking of a cycle. And I felt that, you know, I embodied that. Um, Yeah. It was amazing. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so after, um, was great too. We, we sat for a moment, Libby made sure I was okay. She didn't, there wasn't, um, any any crazy bleeding or anything, but she, um, my daughter had a hard time. She was having a hard time breathing. Like she had some gunk in her throat that she was still trying to work out. Mm. So she puts her right on my chest and we're we're just laying there and um, we were just staring into her eyes, sort of taking it in. And she, Libby, gave us time, you know, but after a little bit, she said, do you want to try to push um, and see if the placenta, if your placenta is ready to come out? And I gave a push and I think she did tug it, which I know there's controversy around that, but I pushed and it came right out and it was great. It was fine. She had done the, she was giving, um, the baby air, um, through a little mask just while she was laying on my chest, like the little bag thing, you know, Mm -hmm. try to help her get some of that gunk out. And she was still just struggling. And so she, um, after my placenta came out, they wanted to get me moved up off the floor and settled on the couch. So she did skin to skin with Nate and just, you know, right next to me. They got me up on the couch and while she was doing skin to skin with Nate and I was getting settled, they did the suction on her to try to help get some of that gunk out. And talking to Libby after Libby was like, I was a little worried about it, but she was like, I was determined. I was like, we have come this far. We are not getting transferred to the hospital now. And so she did the suction and she was still having a hard time. And so she finally... um, brought her over to me, put her on my chest. And after a couple minutes of skin to skin with me, she was totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. It was so needed beautiful. Her mom. Yeah. yeah she did. Mm. Uh, so she breastfed right away. She, I wanted to do the breast crawl and we did for a little bit. I, I was like letting her, you know, try to find the nipple, but then <laughs> me, I was like, she i want her to drink milk cuz i want her to help kind of clear some of that out and so i kind of helped her a little bit like i moved my boob a little mm-hmm. bit towards her mouth and we we did it together um which was great and she breastfed for so long it was like 40 minutes on each side wow. that first feed it was mm-hmm. amazing um and she, I mean, it, it was so beautiful. The lights were low. It was very calm. I think my team was so exhausted, but I was like, I can climb my Mount Everest right now. I had so much energy, and I was just yeah. talking. And I was like, You see that? That was amazing. Um, and Libby said, "Let's get you some food." My mother-in-law had brought over homemade chicken noodle soup, which I told her I wanted that to be my first meal. So she had made that with homemade bread and she brought it over like earlier in the day when I like I don't know when. Mm -hmm. And she's like, Do you want some food? And I was like, I want pumpkin cake. Because we had made the pumpkin cake in early labor for her birthday, her birthday cake. And so Libby got me a piece of pumpkin cake and she just while I breastfed, she fed me the cake. She fed me the entire piece of cake. Mm -hmm. And then she sat down at my feet and rubbed my feet. And I was just like, This is, I mean, this is truly. I couldn't, like, this couldn't be better to me. Like, midwifery is just such a sacred vocation. Mm. And I just have such a profound reverence for these women that do this, especially in such an intentional way, right? Um, I was just, like, in awe. And, like, later on in the night, they wiped the blood off of my legs and just, like, tucked us into bed. And I'm like, mm-hmm. how do I even say thank you for this? This is this is amazing. So yeah, she ended up bringing the placenta over. Well, we hadn't cut the cord yet. So she the placenta was like in a bowl or whatever. So Nate had cut the cord with a piece of an obsidian that he had been gifted, which was really cool. Because um, it's like the sharpest substance on earth. So it just cut right through the cord after about an hour. And then Libby laid the placenta out and we had like a little moment of reverence with it. Right. And she was kind of telling us about it and showing us where the baby was. And she said it was super healthy and that was really cool. And Mm. I had um, debated between doing placenta encapsulation and, you know, burying it because I had heard about both and there was something about um, encapsulation that felt greedy to me And I don't know why, like it had already given me so much and I'm trying to get more and more from it. And I had worked through that a little bit and I was like, no, this, yeah, I think that this, this thing gave my baby life and, you know, it can continue to nurture her. If it can continue to nurture her, I think that's awesome. And so we ended up having one of the other midwives, Eve, do the encapsulation. She did do that and she added herbs and stuff to it. Mm-hmm. And it really has helped. I'm still taking it every day. Mm-hmm. There was two days that I didn't take it. And I noticed a big difference in my mood and my energy levels. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I thought I, I really like that, but I do love the idea of giving mm-hmm. it back to the earth too. So I think whatever you choose is great, but yeah. much better than just throwing it out. Like they oh, do 100 the- 100%. 100%. Yeah, so um, we had also prepared for a nourishing postpartum. I had written out, I read the first 40 days, which I highly recommend. I love that book. Mm-hmm. And I had written out a thing uh, for our family like if you do want to bring meals or help, this is the kind of food we're eating. Here are some recipe ideas. Um, this is what we're gonna do. We're mm-hmm. not leaving our house. We' maybe we'll have visitors. We don't know for sure. If we do, it won't be long. We don't know. We're going to feel it out. Um, but yeah, we're pretty much not going to leave our room. And I'm not doing anything. You know, I'm resting. and i I had put some excerpts from the first forty days in this like letter and said, like, this is why it's important. And we've lost touch with this in the West. and you know please like we appreciate your love and support during this mm. time of transition for us you know it's a big deal and we only get this once it's such a sacred time yeah. we only get this once with this baby and it's such a short season too so what are two weeks three weeks mm. four weeks a month like whatever you know it's it's nothing yeah um yeah, yeah. and so I think having that time was really helpful for me too um, transitioning into motherhood I I've I've felt great. I, there's no, like, there's nothing that I want to go back to this whole bounce back culture is really hard for me too. Cause I'm like, I love this person. I love this time. I love who I am. This is exciting. Like, this is an adventure. Like I get to explore and like become this new person. Like it's fun. Right.
0: Mm. So
1: anyways, yeah, it's been a really beautiful time postpartum for me.
0: I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. So if you had a first time mom in front of you right now, he's about to have her first baby and she really wants to have a natural and empowering birth experience. What advice and pearls of wisdom would you give to her?
1: Yes. I mean, I could talk for hours about all the different pearls of wisdom. There's so many, but I'll just give a few. Um, The first one would be to ask for what you want. Whether that's, like you said, you're at your appointment and you want to make sure they're gentle with you while they're checking you, or whether it's um, for your birth, you know, like me, write down what you want it to look like, give it to your team. Mm. Um, postpartum, write down what you want your time to look like and give it to your friends and family. And don't be afraid to, to ask for what you want, you know, Um don't worry about what society says. And just remember that it is a sacred time that you only get once. So you, you will be happy that you asked. Ask for help. Ask for what you want, wanted. Um, we had friends set up a meal train for us. So we had people bringing us food for the first two weeks, basically. And it was a game changer to just be able to eat these nourishing meals together and not worry about you know what we were going to cook or like my partner and I just got to be in the room with her in our little cocoon. It was amazing. So, ask for what you want and then find ways to cultivate trust in your ability to do this. Um there are a few tangible things that you can do to to create that trust and so some of the things I did was a uh listen to stories of other women. I think that was the biggest thing for me. Um I listen to your podcast probably every single day, multiple times a day of my pregnancy and i still listen to it every sunday when it comes out <laughs> like it just it just made such a big difference to hear all these people that did it and i'm like if they can do it i can do it and that really on a subconscious level i think helped me to have that trust and although i ebbed and flowed between trust and doubt i think ultimately my deepest self knew that i could do it right and then i did so listening to stories education um is another way to help trust, I believe, because if you have a fear that comes up and you learn about it, it can help you shed that fear. I was so scared of tearing. And so I learned about it. And I learned about, you know, what types of tears there are. And I learned about um, the pushing, how you can pull back, you can reduce your risk of tearing, like all these things. Right. So education is huge. Like claim your birth learn go out and read read books take courses ask questions all of the things um then yeah i think education can only take you so far and so i think most importantly slow down get quiet connect with that deeper part of yourself that knows that you can do it tune into your wisdom and your intuition um there's a really awesome quote from glennon doyle in her book untamed and it says If I'm willing to sit in stillness with myself, I always know what to do. The answers are never out there. They're as close as my breath and as steady as my heartbeat. And I just, I love that so much because it's true. The answers Mm -hmm. that you need are, you already have them. So yeah, you may doubt your ability to do this like I did, but whether you believe it or not, you were built to do this. Mm -hmm. So I love that. Good luck, Mama, out there (laughs) listening. You can do it.
0: (laughs) Beautiful advice. I totally and wholeheartedly agree. Thank Mm, you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure having you. you. It's been so nice to talk to you, Anna. Thank you. thank you for listening if you love this podcast then please consider sharing it leave a review or make a contribution on our patreon page and if you want to connect on social media then find the podcast on instagram as the natural birth podcast thank you for listening